0: Welcome to Tales of Beautiful Feet, where we recount the stories of ordinary American Christians involved in taking the good news to a spiritually dark world. Listen and be challenged to go beyond what you've ever done before, beyond your comfort zone, so that others can come to know our Savior. We'll hear firsthand from those who've gone about the experiences they've had, the lives they've seen changed, and the way they've been changed themselves. And we'll tell you how you too can meaningfully participate in Jesus' great commission to the church. So grab a Bible and a notepad if you like while we celebrate the verse that says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In this episode, I'm continuing to present portions of an interview with two of my fellow participants on evangelistic short-term mission trips in unreached places. This will be part three in a series of three videos and podcasts. Part one was entitled First-Time Experiences and focused on memories of a first missions trip and a first gospel presentation in that setting. Part two was entitled Crowded. And tells the story of an encounter typical of these trips along with a video clip taken in the field during that encounter our conversation turned then to the hospitality that we're usually met with
1: yeah there was another time um like you say i mean certainly on those first couple of trips that we went on we attracted the crowds because yes. we looked very different especially fair skin blonde hair it's just different and You'd, have, you'd be walking along and someone would be coming along the other way on their bicycle and they'd suddenly go like this, okay. looking at you and you'd think, oh, don't fall off, we're trying to <laughs> exactly. go in, you know? and, um, But people were just so hospitable and friendly and would invite you to their home and um, they just all seemed to have time to listen to you and yeah. to talk to you. I mean, I, that was something that's very, very different from here in our culture. Everyone is so busy and you almost have to make an appointment to go, even to go visit a friend. You you call them, hey, is it a good time to talk, is it a good time to come over? Yeah. But for them, it always seemed to be a good time because they were, um, yeah, just so hospitable. They always wanted yeah. to offer us um, something to eat and drink, which... Needed to be a little bit careful of sometimes, but (laughs) but um, yeah, yeah, a variety of coconuts and all sorts of things, Loretta. Yes, yeah.
0: We then discussed how our experiences have given us new perspective on the cost and value of these short term trips.
1: One of the things actually, just slightly different, I was going to just mention is you know, I think I'd often thought in the past is how valuable are short term missions because it costs a lot of money to go on a short-term mission you know you have to raise quite a lot of funds to be able to go and I think I'd often thought would it not be better just to even give that amount of funds to an organization who've got people there Um, but having gone I've realized how valuable it is to be there even though we're only there for a week two weeks because you know we're different and people just want to come and see who we are and see why we're there. And and when they find out where we've come from, you know, that we've flown thousands of miles to come to their village, which is in the middle of nowhere, where, and they would say, well, why have you even come here? Okay. You know, you've come to this country. Why don't you go and see some of the famous tourist sites of this country? And when I was able to share with them, it's because God made them. God loves them so much. And I had this special message that I want to bring to them from God, because mm-hmm. God wants them to know Jesus. It just, I think it's just so incredible to them mm-hmm. that I would give up my time and come out of, you know, out of my comfort zone to their little village because they are important. Mm-hmm. That's huge. It's yeah. huge. and And it's not yeah. only
0: individually highly impactful, but numerically in terms of the, the uh, we that very first trip that I went on, uh, we spent six days of work. Spoke to I think it was fourteen hundred people, but two months later got word that thirty house churches had been started as in the follow up to our our short visit, and a year later that number had grown in those in those regions a hundred house churches, yeah. indirectly tied to to our work, and you know you that makes the, what, what seems to be a, a sizable investment in the airfare getting people over there mm-hmm. that makes it all worthwhile yeah. when you start to look at how costly would it be for us to go out and plant mm-hmm. a hundred house churches oh, yeah you know, it just, mm-hmm.
1: yeah but it sure makes yeah. you um, appreciate the Christians there who Absolutely. are the church workers who are Going around, following up after yes, us, and yes. and helping form the you know the house churches and and leading them and and so forth. And they're
0: with us throughout the whole trip. Yeah, getting exhausted just like we are. We get on the airplane, come home, and rest. <laughs> and they, they have the work. They go work back and, and work, Yeah, actually. Yes. But at
1: least us being there it sort of opens a door for them to be able to get in exactly. and to come back and to find mm-hmm. out you know who wants to know more and yeah yeah.
0: yeah. It's just huge. It's interesting. A lot of people, well, when I went, my, I went kind of skeptically that first year because I was, yeah. (laughs) Because I was hearing these kinds of numbers and going, how is that even possible? I I don't see how it could be real. And so I wanted to see how it worked. And since then, it's occurred to me that in a sense, we are kind of, an equivalent in a different culture in a different time to what Billy Graham was in our country in the 50s and 60s. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that the impact when, when Billy Graham would come to a city and have a crusade, thousands of people would come to Christ, but it wasn't just the result of him standing on stage. right. It was the invitations that went out beforehand. Yeah. It was the people inviting their friends. It was the follow-up. You know, because every time they'd come into town and do a crusade, they had lots of workers committed oh, yeah. to do the, the follow-up afterwards. Yeah. It was that whole package, and his job was to draw the crowd. Now, we're in, on a smaller scale, but we're drawing the crowd. I've never been a Billy Graham before. <laughs> <Victor. laughs> I'm We are like Billy Graham. <laughs> Let's reach it high. All right. Um, So, one final thing, uh, just a a bit of uh, conversation. Now, I I know you've been trained, uh, actually, we all have. We've been trained as coordinators or leaders of of these trips. Um, But putting that aside, the first time you went, um, did you have to. Book your flights. Nope, No. Nope. Nope. Did you have, did have
1: to pick my seat?
0: To choose your hotels. <laughs> didn't have
1: to pick, <laughs> pick my seat.
0: <laughs> I don't to think I'll do that because I think I put you right next to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what was it what was involved uh, from the perspective of anybody in the church in joining this trip?
1: Um, I suppose from before the trip one of the, the biggest thing was, was fundraising, was just sending out letters and letting people know that mm-hmm. we were going on the trip and asking people to pray, obviously, and uh, financial support if they were able to give it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got some really good training mm-hmm. beforehand on how to, you know, what to expect culturally that was gonna be different and sharing the gospel, got to practice mm-hmm. and with each other and... Um, Praying for courage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pray, pray, time. pray. So um, so yeah, I think those were probably the, the biggest the biggest things for me was was yeah the fundraising and yeah I was practicing the sharing the gospel. Yeah but we had a lot of help, a lot of help with doing that. Yeah. We weren't left to do it by ourselves. Get a lot of help yeah. from
0: the organization that yeah. we work with.
1: And the great yeah. um, coordinator and leader, so yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think that's all that I have, unless you guys have any final words.
1: We could probably talk forever, actually, but but we'll stop there, yeah. We'll just say we want to go back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Show back. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
0: (laughs) Does this sound like something you'd like to be involved in? There are several ways in which you can participate: by going on a trip yourself, or by contributing financially so that others can go, or by interceding in prayer for those who are going and for those that we'll meet with. Now, for security reasons, I can't share details uh, about how to how to go or how to contribute or, or what to pray about here on my blog or podcast, because they often divulge details that could lead to persecution, either of us or those in-country partners we work with. But if you'll reach out to me via email, I'll gladly tell you more. Until next time, go with beautiful feet, taking the good news to those who need it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tales of Beautiful Feet. For more information, for questions or comments about today's programs, or to learn how you can participate in these adventures in global evangelism, please email me at beautifulfeet at protonmail.com. Beautifulfeet at protonmail.com.